0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of The Small Business Surgeon. And guys, I've got a super special guest today. Um, He used to be one of the hosts with us on Live at the Lounge. He's going to rotate in here every couple of weeks and help with the uh, Sam Sees What's Up show. And uh, he's come to us to talk today about his career trajectory. So it's about time I got you on the show, my friend David Levine. Welcome, David.
1: Thank you. I uh I think you're overselling the intro a little bit, but you know it'll That's be okay. It's my job.
0: I, I gotta kind of I gotta set you up. I gotta, yeah, like make yeah. you look
1: really. But it really just good. it just allows people me to continue to do what I do best in life, which is disappoint people after the intro. <laughs> so
0: I mean, you and I could talk for fucking hours, mate. Yeah, but let's 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 get to the crux of it. um I met you what in 2008 when 2008 you, yeah when, when you were walking everywhere.
1: I was BCS feet,
0: <laughs> and then. uh so just a couple of months ago you uh, you got offered uh, a partnership in a, in a very impressive business
1: yeah so why,
0: why don't you start at the beginning because it's's it's got such a great fucking story um, you've got walking around you've got working at car dealerships you've got running for political office I don't yeah. know where to begin with you and then you know, chain smoking I uh, oh, no 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 Two celebratory cigars a year. Yeah,
1: yeah. If my insurance agent's listening, I only t- smoke two celebratory cigars a year.
0: Every day.
1: Yeah, you know it's 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 been a wild ride. I uh, I moved up here and uh, moved to College Station in August 2008 thousand eight with no real direction or intention. Uh, uh, followed uh, followed a woman up here who I was seeing at the time.
0: That was the craziest fucking.
1: <laughs> yeah. It so was...
0: this guy shows up in our car club. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm new in town. Who wants to come over and hang out and, and, and meet? And just for somebody, like, to have the balls to go out and say it. Because we were like, well,
1: we don't know this fella, but we do like free food. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what possessed me that that was how I decided to make an introduction. For... I, don't remember,
0: I remember you baked chicken
1: wings. Yeah, because... I, was, I, I was like, that's the only thing I knew how to cook. <laughs> And nobody was going to show up for ramen, so I blew the monthly budget on chicken wings.
0: Well, it worked, though, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, and then you became a part of the car club.
1: Yeah, without a car. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I moved up here with no no real direction, no vision, no anything. I, uh, I wasn't doing anything to speak of in Houston, where I'm from, uh, and just uh, made the decision that I was out hitting my coverage at the time, and I would follow that to College Station, because what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> And a bit like, and a bit like Gilligan, it started as a uh, what I thought was going to be twelve or eighteen months, and it's been twelve years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's been fourteen years now.
0: Dude, I thought I'd be here like, I, I mean, six months, maybe a
1: year. Yeah, I didn't go as far as you did, but uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I just put twenty bucks in the tank and ended up here, which you know dates the gas prices. Yeah, yeah. but it's, uh, it's
0: a good thing it's not now. You'd have been stuck in Hempstead. Yeah,
1: I would have made it past uh, Cyprus. <laughs> uh but no i uh, I moved up here. I think my first job I worked for a local company doing uh, uh, was AV installs and
0: oh geez, I forgot about
1: that. yeah, it was AV installs and like we did a lot of uh, contract work for the school district putting smart boards and pr- projectors in when that was a big thing in 2008.
0: Didn't you get fired for being an idiot? I did
1: I get That's I right. got fired for being a dumbass. Uh, <laughs> I don't
0: remember what it was I just was I, like... I
1: honestly don't either. I just remember the job didn't last very long. <laughs> And then uh, I rotated through several bars as a barback, uh, aspiring bartender. But the problem when you're six four and 250 pounds is like, no, no, no. The, the pretty girls out front tend bar. You throw out drunks and uh, clean up vomit. What and was that
0: like being a bouncer? I always wanted to be a bouncer just so I get to crack people in the you, face. Well, I thought it'd be well, tremendous When fun. you
1: fall over, you don't bounce. Uh, unlike the, the title suggests, it fucking hurts.
0: I just thought it'd be tremendous fun to be like, "Oi, get back in line."
1: Keep, no keep it, it's not you end up you end up spending more of your time babysitting drunks and cleaning up shit and vomit than you ever care to represent. Which have you cleaned up more of vomit people tended to make it to the bathroom better for the other uh, but the um, uh, I did that for a period of time and, and decided that wasn't for me and then the next couple of years was kind of a blur it was I turned into a pretty good drunk um I, I found something I was good at finally. And then I think
0: it was drinking alcohol and growing sideburns. I did have
1: because, some serious sideburns. Those were your two keys. We times. need to talk because you represented yourself to me as a friend at that time, and I allowed mean, that to happen.
0: You know this. This yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I there's some other but, people on that list too, but
0: well, I've, I've I've actually got a friend that wore his hair in a bun, and uh, and I told him I told him a few weeks ago. I was like, look, mate, I
1: want know. to let your hair down.
0: And uh, no, he wasn't got it cut. So, Did he?
1: Like, I haven't seen him.
0: Like, I, I felt, I felt, oh, no, not that friend. No, oh. No, 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 no. God, no. Alex would never cut his hair.
1: Yeah, it's like, like Samson.
0: Oh, no, yeah. I, have you seen Alex with short hair? No. He looks like a little hobbit.
1: <laughs> we love you, Alex. Uh, yeah,
0: with apologies to, to hobbits and yeah. to Alex.
1: Yeah, to, to both, to both categories. But
0: no, like, because of what you said to me, oh, you let him walk around looking stupid. Well, like, shit, i can't shit, I can't let this lad walk around looking stupid. I had to tell him. And then I felt bad. I'm like, you know what, that really doesn't suit you. We
1: are two of the people that I know that have had to have a conversation with an employee about body odor. We've had to have a conversation, yeah. with, and that turned out to be a medical condition, so we felt like right cunts. But he did we were in a single wide trailer in Texas in the summer using two AC window units. Oh, yeah, he did deserve it, yeah. Yeah. I, I
0: think if it was this hot. But like, I think we
1: drew straws and you made me ma- you made me have the conversation.
0: Probably so. Yeah. 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 He, by that, He was your employee by that time.
1: Yeah. It's funny how that happened. <laughs>
0: Look, I just, I, I got good at delegating. Yeah. What can I
1: say? Yeah, you're like, I'm going to lunch. Uh,
0: <laughs> it better not smell when I fucking get yeah. back. I don't care how you achieve this. Guy, yeah,
1: neutrality must be achieved. Shit.
0: So I remember you coming to work for me, oh, Jesus, twenty ish It had
1: to be. So I had this, like, two-year run, and, and I realized, so the second job I had when I moved to college I forgot about this completely. Was uh, Sears Auto Center?
0: I would. How did you forget about
1: that? Um, I try to uh, eliminate bad memories. Oh, right. right.
0: Um, I mean, you learned a lot.
1: Yeah, how to sweat. Uh, today reminds me of a day like that. It was yeah. any of those. Any anybody who has an image of a Sear, old Sears Auto Center built in the seventies in their head, it's a concrete dungeon uh, with poor ventilation and slippery floors.
0: You know, I don't miss. Uh, I don't miss manual labor. Working well, that's inside.
1: that's what I'm getting to. Is that it's. You know, there was a couple other jobs in the mix. I was I was job hopping really bad around that time. And it was...
0: Oh, mine was the first one that had AC. Uh, the no. The, time.
1: Uh, the winery.
0: Oh, I forgot the about that. The winery. And the H-E-B. Dude, I forgot you worked at the winery.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was under 21 working at a winery teaching people how to taste wine. Yeah. Little do they know, I just had non-alcoholic grape juice. And I didn't know anything about what I was doing. <laughs> but you just have to... It was my first job selling things. Like, right. you know, that I knew what I was doing
0: it's not hard though I mean, you're selling wine to a bunch of middle aged women at a fucking vineyard yes I mean they're there for a reason
1: yes Karen Con 2008
0: oh my god that would suck um, this wine isn't red enough I'm yeah we'll, we'll dye it better next time uh, you should really, are, there, are, are, are there any artificial colors in this yes is this organic
1: yes yeah everything's organic it comes from uh, the ground
0: but are the grapes GMO
1: yeah sure <laughs> get the fuck out
0: I'm gonna need a manager
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah. little they know that was me <laughs> uh but no, I uh, I went to work after the, the auto center. And I don't remember the order of which it all went in. It, but it was, I went to work for the Toyota dealership in town. And I, I conned them into believing that I knew what I was doing uh, as a part-time oil change tech. Uh, and I was, uh, when Google was still in its infancy, faster at Googling than they were. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I they didn't have any full-time positions. So I got hired as a part-time flag tech trying to go back to school.
0: How does that work? Do you just like do you just hang out and wait until they give you a job? Because no, like flag hours is different.
1: Isn't it? Flag hours is different too. In that situation, you never had any jobs that you kept. So everything you did was done that same day. Yeah, right. So you showed up, you went to the computer, you pulled pulled a job, and usually it was a waiter, oil change, or a tire rotation, or tires, or something else.
0: Do you just pick one? Or?
1: No, it was assigned to you.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So they had skill levels. Little man at the counter. No, it was it was automated. We actually had a digital dispatching system, and there were skills. Uh, skill sets assigned in the computer. See,
0: that's a generational difference. We would have just had a little man at the well, counter. So
1: we, you and know, if you
0: were nice to Barry, he'd give you the good job. So to
1: fast forward, you know, <laughs> at Mercedes, we still use a manual dispatching system. Oh,
0: really?
1: Yeah. So, but there were skills. So you might be assigned. Uh, it was like skill one through seven, and they weren't numerical. It, they weren't uh, sequential. Right. Um, but you know, I remember skill four jobs were like the highest skill level. They were diagnostic work, and they they tended to have the best hours and. You made the most money they all paid the same because it was right. whatever your flag rate was times the number of hours and if it paid two hours and it took you 30 minutes you still got paid two hours mm-hmm. but if it took you four hours well you just yeah. took pay cuts on uh
0: yeah yeah that always struck me as odd though. well but
1: you know it's it's, it's europe has like, moved away from it. it europe has moved away from it what um, is europe, do you- Europe is just hourly technicians. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so you just pay a full eight hours. The, the exotics in the U S have moved away from it. Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, they've all moved away from it. Um, Mercedes is trying to push us to move away from it, but that's
0: just give everybody a standard salary.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you pay a, a, a top level flag tech for Mercedes could be 38 to $45 an hour right now, uh, per flag hour. Uh, so you, you change that and you put them on, let's say $35 per working hour. Or you put them on a salary at 110 a year or whatever it's going to work out to 10 grand a month or, um, but then you, you this, the fear is, is that they're not going to stay as motivated. Um, that's I don't, true, yeah. I don't think that's accurate based on the, the way I know these guys, but it just, it's difficult to make that transition because if it doesn't work, then getting it back is more difficult.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm more likely if, you know, if I'm coming up on eight hours worth of, worth of labor and- I've only got four hours on the job and I'm just killing it. I'm I'm highly likely to kill it, go pull pull another ticket and try and book, you know, 12 or 15 hours for the day. Yeah. Whereas if you're just paying me eight hours for the day, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna work to to my eight hours. And
1: some of that comes into, you know, the public where people expect that they're gonna drop a vehicle off and have it done the same day. It's like, I know you're replacing the engine, but can you have it done by five, you know? And so with flag hour technicians, they're incentivized to work faster. Uh, and they're incentivized not to screw up because if they fix it, it's, it's they fix it for free. Right. right. Uh, or they quit, which is usually what happens if it's a major fuck up. Uh, uh, so, that. well, I mean, if it's you know you put an engine in and forget to put oil in it, now you got a forty-hour engine replacement. You got to do free. Yeah. It's yeah. probably cheaper to quit and go find another job. Yeah. Fair point. So you you tend to have to you know every, I'm I'm a big proponent, and all my technicians know if you fuck up, come tell me. Uh, if you do it once, I'll pay for it. Like I'm going to pay you to fix it. But if you do it again, it's a choice, and we don't allow those kind of choices. Right. So uh, you know, I'm gonna let the problem solve itself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I went to work for Toyota and after a full summer, where well, you lean over the hood of a car, you open the hood of a car and the, the engine fan feels like a nice cool breeze, you go, oh damn. you go, this kind of sucks. And these are open air tin shops and hot cars, and they're coming off the road 200 degree oil, and you're trying to do an oil change and you've got you know, 25 minutes is what they're escalated for. You don't get the chance to cool them down you yeah we had Nomex gloves to change oil filters and
0: oh i didn't know that
1: stuff. yeah it's um because you you you, I mean, you burn your fingertips constantly um and then on top of that you're trying not to screw up and burn anything else on you <laughs> But yeah, that was, I think it was, it might have been 2011 I I came to work for you Mm -hmm. at the dealership. And it was originally like a part-time gig I was doing in the evenings to pick up extra money. Yeah. Turning wrenches on used cars.
0: Because I just had a whole bunch of used cars I needed fixed. Yeah, and you
1: were using an outside shop and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't mapping
0: out. It it was was fun. I just, it was too too much wrench work and and not enough sound. Yeah. Yeah, I needed help. Shit. And so I
1: came in there and then you had a, a dirt parking lot still at the time. We had a dirt lot in the shop that we, you hadn't poured the concrete yet. I don't think. Damn, I
0: hadn't. We, no. we, had to, we had to jack up shit on the
1: dirt. Yeah, we? we had the broken pieces of concrete we knew were solid to put the jacks on. And then lay cardboard down. So yeah. We Jesus Christ, we've yeah. come a long way. Maybe. How did we not die? I don't know. Uh, we've come a long this was way. the ultimate shade tree, but unfortunately, we lost the tree. Uh, uh, there was no shade. It was no shade. Oh, fucking hell. Uninsulated metal building. It was. Uh, I traded one hell for another. We had a really big fan though. Uh blue hot
0: air. I mean, yeah. And dust. <laughs> And dust. Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, putting the putting the asphalt down on that parking lot was just. I mean, because we poured the concrete in sections, but yeah. finishing it up and putting the asphalt down and finishing the whole lot out. that was that was probably one of my best days up there. I was like, man, you're you're doing a good fucking job.
1: Even though the the guy that put the asphalt down was kind of a carny, he kind of, of, kind of no, he was he, he was, was a he was a gypsy. <laughs> fucking carny
0: mccarney face fucking pikey's oh my god uh, but like I one
1: mean, step off a caravan
0: uh <laughs> you have not brought me to a fucking pikey <laughs> <laughs> fucking <hate pikeys>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so um but then it was i think y'all were busy one day and uh-huh. i was like y'all would go out with customers or leave and i would cover the office and answer the phone and make sure things didn't burn down and then
0: said you recall throwing a set of keys at you and saying hey take these guys on a test drive yeah you go but i'm dirty and he went
1: so's the car we hadn't cleaned it yet
0: (laughs) yeah i don't remember what we said but you you took some customers on a test drive i remember that yeah it made quite the impression on you and
1: there was air conditioning in that car that's why
0: oh so that was the day you decided to move from service to sales yeah it was it was it was when my uh wait i can sit in ac and make money
1: yeah it was uh i made a decision and went wait a minute I don't have to sweat Gatorade all day.
0: Well, that's why I moved from fucking construction into law, mate. Yeah. Like, I was good at construction, and I made good money doing it, painting houses and shit. But, like, they started me on 55 grand a year. Like, and this was in 2005, right at the tail end of 2005. They started me at 55 grand a year, and AC. Yeah. Like, I'd be pretty stupid to, to as, a, as a 25-year-old with no degree to – uh to pass that up so, yeah
1: <laughs> yeah the same happened to me well i uh you know we did that till what august of 13
0: yeah it was august september yeah. Down,
1: yeah because i started at the ford store in september of 13 mm-hmm. and my intention when i went to the ford store was i had just re-signed a lease so i was going to stay for nine months to a year and then move back to houston because I, I had nothing keeping me in college station uh i wasn't uh, i wasn't seeing anybody at the time i was uh, uh didn't know what the hell i wanted to do I, I still really wanted to go back and finish my degree i wasn't making the money i wanted to make and, and i was just like you know maybe I, maybe i have better prospects back in houston
0: yeah i could see that i mean trying to sell cars at a full dealership and college station it can't have been the easiest uh, it
1: easiest wasn't gig. hard but it was you know i went in there and it was the craziest whirlwind of a like 12 months because I started September 13, they put me through a mandatory six-week training program with this dude that I think was 105. It was basically just making us read from uh, training books and role-play with like nine new salespeople that were in this class. Right, but you
0: can't normally find a single salesman that can actually read every single day for six weeks. Yeah, it's so probably a filtering system. How many people made it through?
1: Half. See, there yeah, you but go. but it's it's a poor filter. I look back on it now and see it as a poor filtering system because you were paying people to sit in the AC and role play.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, you are paying them. I think it was.
0: But how much does it cost to how much does it cost to burn up?
1: <sighs> Not three grand a month. Uh,
0: that's
1: true. Uh, at the time when you had you know uh, prodigious amounts of inventory, um, you know, and, and it was it was just the way that that store operated was very old school. It was very different. Mm-hmm. But the the auto industry and I, I I know this now. I didn't know it at the time. The auto industry in BCS was backwards. It was old. Oh um, yeah,
0: yeah, definitely, definitely, without a doubt. The,
1: the only corporate I mean, store in town was Lithia, and they right. they really didn't have any other presence in Texas. So this was a bit of an island. Mm-hmm. They were all Pacific Northwest. Um, but the so September 13, I start there. December 1st to mm-hmm. 13, the GS, general sales manager pulls me in and says, "Hey, you've got special finance experience, which is people with challenged or, or poor credit." It's poor, yeah. Um, and you have worked at small stores on, on highway 21 and i was like yeah i got away from that and he said okay well we have a small store on highway 21 it's mostly challenge credit
0: yeah i forgot about that we, i forgot they sent you to purgatory yeah Holy shit, that's funny
1: well at the time <laughs> and i found this out later but at the time the, the crew they had there was a bit like the lost boys well, they that, were, was,
0: that was the first store i ever worked at yeah i, mean, I, I had a job there in 2002 selling gas.
1: well we had they had a guy running the, the store that uh, i love him to death he's fantastic but he just he was out of his depth um and he basically had all of his friends there selling cars they had a finance guy that was daft the only nice way to put it um and they sent me over there to replace him and the gsm asked told me he said hey i need you to instill law and order in this place like at least get it to where it's not a joke like this is a store that the 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 guy in charge had been reprimanded because he couldn't grow watermelons in the flower beds. yeah i mean it was a it was an interesting little experiment
0: i mean, they they were irritated with us for taking some of their market share I mean, yeah. we were, what a mile
1: and a half two yeah, miles down the road, maybe two miles at best yeah and so I, I got to this store and it was it was like being in a sitcom um <laughs>
0: was um not to name names but was was, was that in the era of gino and Stevo? uh-huh oh right on okay i remember those yeah. fellas i mean because they, they were both there when uh, when i was there back in 02 yeah probably. so they've been there forever in fact they were there before the store was built Yep, on the, on the dealership on uh, Texas Avenue.
1: Yes, they were. All right. So, um, and, and uh, the first one you mentioned has, he's one of my favorite people. He's got oh. the best intentions in the world. They both are. I mean, they're yeah.
0: both wonderful, wonderful guys. Wonderful
1: people. They're just, he was out of his depth. Oh, and so, yeah. but his, his, his com-
0: specialty was selling cars through networking.
1: Yeah, people loved him. You could not just, love him.
0: I, I've never, he, and he
1: still sells cars for the same store never, and people still love him. Yeah, I mean, but he like a lot of salespeople, a good salesperson never makes a good manager. Right. Um, and, and he uh, seldom, I should say. Seldom, yeah. seldom makes a good manager. For the most part, it's a pay cut. And for the second part, it's it's your mediocre salespeople that you overanalyze everything Those are the ones that you end up putting in management because they overanalyze
0: everything. It, yeah. yeah,
1: they don't they don't fly by the seat of their pants so much. But so that was so that was December first or second of thirteen. January 1, the previous gentleman that owned the store, uh, who's a fantastic individual too, he was just retiring, getting out of it, uh, brought in a general manager that was trying to earn ownership Mm -hmm. from a store in Austin.
0: Oh, right
1: And this guy was an uh, unmitigated psychopath.
0: Um, Well, it's the car business, I mean, what do you expect?
1: He was the only person I've ever met that can go from zero to 100, back to zero, back to 100 in, in that short of amount of time. He would be, have all the managers in one room having a good old-fashioned motherfuck session um, and that his phone would ring. It would be his wife. He would throw on the brakes, talk to his wife, uh, ask if she wanted to talk to everybody that was there, tell her he loved her, hang up the phone and go back to shouting. Like, it was it was effortless. Uh, but it also, when you become the manager that only shouts, it becomes the way you talk. Right, right. And so that was January of 13 by June, uh, January 14. By June of 14, July of 14, he was gone and had left a trail of bodies in his wake and some of the most interesting characters I've ever worked with in the industry. Um, and then October 1st, the gentleman that owns our, he's the CEO of our primary owner of our organization now bought the store.
0: Right. Right.
1: And that was a, a I was, I was terrified because everybody kept telling, telling me that, oh, this guy's going to come in and fire everybody. And this guy's, you know, they're, they're going to bring in their own people. And To be
0: fair, most of you deserve firing.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And, and I was still in this mode where I didn't necessarily know what the hell I was doing. I was kind of just winging it. Mm-hmm. And so they brought in a GM, a general partner, or an operating partner, that was a really interesting fellow as well, who I, I, I probably wanted to throw in front of a bus for a better part of my time with him. But I, I come to respect him. I really do like him now. Um, I'm not going to tell him that. But the um, And from... What was that? January of fourteen, October of fourteen through early eighteen. I don't remember the the, the dates exactly. I bounced through several positions at the Ford store, um, and really was being molded um, by force, uh, and didn't realize that's what was happening. Right. And so, sometime in eighteen, I made the transition over to uh, another store they had bought uh which was a combination Mazda Volkswagen Hyundai BMW store. That was a mess that one wasn't it? That was a shit show. Um, <laughs> we were in the process of breaking out the Hyundai and BMW franchises in their own stores. Yeah. And then they uh, gave me my first tenure as a general manager uh over Hyundai and I would say Mazda and Volkswagen.
0: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah.
1: What I didn't know and I found out shortly into it was that it was a I was piloting a sinking ship. Um they were in the process of selling it. I found it out pretty quickly, probably within about three or four months, but I couldn't tell any of my staff. Right. right. So I ended up in this weird situation where
0: you just told me, and I had to just sit there and go, <laughs> "Yeah, <back.
1: laughs> yeah." I ended up, and I had several friends um, that worked there that I couldn't say anything to. I had we had brought some people in from the Houston area, and and you know, I was entrusted with this information, and I knew that my job was to keep the store, keep plugging the holes in the dike until. It was done. But you can't say dyke anymore. I right? can. I'm referring to a, a embankment holding back water. Okay. okay. Uh, Carry on. Yeah.
0: Uh, not, not at all sexist. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, but now people are curious. Uh, uh, so what kind of curious? Yeah. Try. <laughs> try right. right. curious. Uh, everybody likes to try things. The uh, uh, but, and then it was September of nineteen. The word got out, so I was at a partner meeting in Arizona, and I started getting phone calls. I was on the flight back. I started getting text messages on the flight. Um, hey, what do you, why, why are we hearing the store sold? What's what's going on? What's happening? Well, we'd kept it secret for nine months at this point, point. Mm-hmm. and now the the cat was out of the bag. Well, the store was the the deal was supposed to close at the end of September. That deal drug on until January seventeenth of twenty. Right. Uh, not that I remember the date or anything, but. Uh, <laughs>
0: You would because you were sitting at the store waiting for it to sell. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was. And and then it was convincing people not to quit. And, and it was it became complete damage control for the next three months. Um, you know, and then how do you manage people when they know you're not in charge in three months? You couldn't really fire anybody because all the books were closed. Yeah, what are you going to do, fire me? Yeah, it's like, you know, it's just it's, you, dis- so it, you discipline was it like? somebody and they're like, you're not my real dad and they run away. What was it like
0: trying to I mean, with zero experience of Really being in charge of shit. What was it like trying to pilot that store through those final three and a half months?
1: It was, um, it was a bit like the um, you're riding a bike that's on fire while you're on fire and the rest of the world's on fire too. Uh, you just couldn't. You had to put up a you know a strong front, but for the most part, I spent most of my time trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Like I, I had no idea and you know, fortunately I had a really good support structure with our COO and with some of the other guys I knew in the organization and like, right. the other thing was I was also piloting towards a cliff and I didn't know what was on the other side. Um, you know, I knew that I was not included as a part of this transaction.
0: Yeah, that would suck if you got sold too.
1: Right, well, and we had this conversation and our my, our CEO sat down with me and he said, look, I want you to know you've always had a job with me I have contractually excluded you and Andy as not available as part of the transaction and it's affected the value of the store. Um, but you know, I want you to know you always have a, a position in this organization, which was great, but I didn't know what that position was. Right. right. So I was running towards a cliff hoping that it was just a, a small crack and not a chasm. I didn't know what I was falling into. I didn't know what store I was going to. Uh, I didn't know how I was going to get paid, what I was going to get paid. I didn't know any of that. And I just had to have faith in it that I didn't job search, I didn't, which, you know, looking back was was the right thing, but at the time, it could be argued that I really should have had my feelers in the water going, okay, where am I gonna land? I should have a backup plan, I didn't. Um, So January 17th, the store sold, it was, I think it was a Friday. I took the weekend off. Uh, I went to Florida the next week or the week after. Uh, They had asked me to go become the used car director as a temporary position for the three stores south of town they just opened, which was BMW, Hyundai, and Mercedes. They're all on the same campus. Right. And it was really, I really had two or three weeks worth of cleanup from the sale that I still had to do. We had to get that stuff finalized and there's there's still some bodies to bury and things like that. You just, you've got stuff to do. Right. Um, well, I got through with that and I remember having a conversation with our COO and he said, hey, if, the guy at MB doesn't get his shit together, the, the general sales manager at MB doesn't get his shit together in February, we're gonna put you in there March 1st. And this was second week in February maybe. That was three hours later he called me and said, hey, we're gonna go ahead and do it today. Uh, and I, I kind of begged him, I was like, look, I think it was a Friday again. And I said, can you wait till Monday? I don't know the brand, you're throwing me into a store that I don't know anything about. I'm not a luxury guy, like I just don't know it. You're throwing me in there on a Friday before a weekend uh it's not a winning proposition and his response i think was something about you'll be fine Uh, oh damn
0: (laughs) you'll be fine get your shit yeah yeah and so so you look up to him now as a manager right yeah that's exactly what you'd say yeah yeah
1: yeah. suck it up you'll be fine (laughs) so that was early february of 20 and the first uh edict they gave me was we have too many 2019s left over now think about the timeline here this was mid-february early february of 2020 Right. we have too many 2019's left over the store had just opened is what we call an ad point so the store had never existed before mm-hmm. it was supposed to open january 1st of 19 it didn't open officially until may 1st of 19 and they had 70-ish 2019's left on the ground which for a car dealership once the model year switches it's a race to get rid of what you have yeah, got left yeah. um, f- of, from one from a value standpoint two from Financing, sales, everything. I mean, yeah. the longer you keep them, the more they turn into you know rotting corpses and you have to force your way out of them. So the edict they gave me was, we don't care what it costs, be net positive and get rid of all these 19s. Burn them out of here. Okay, great. So I looked at it like I would a domestic store and we went and pulled every every uh, uh, move we had in the book with. I mean, I had windshield painters, I had uh, Facebook ads, we had Google ads. We, we broke every advertising and ad covenant rule that Mercedes-Benz had. Uh, in the first month, knowing that we hadn't had any, we were still new enough that we could beg for forgiveness. Right. And so that was mid-February now of 20. We had a record volume month in February. I think we we almost doubled what they'd done before. Um, March comes around, we hit the ground running, we're looking to do another big month. And then if everybody remembers, it was a little thing that happened March 15th of 2020 when the wheels fell off the world. Yeah. Uh, and we crashed a bird with them. Well. One of the things that I told my COO before this started was, hey, I'm really not comfortable going to a luxury store. I feel like, you know, we're due for an economic downturn. I don't know how this works. I really don't want to be, uh, I I don't understand the industry. And, And I might've been being paranoid. not, it's certainly not prophetic, but all of a sudden we're sitting around going, okay, are we going to be allowed to be open? Do we have to, we have to give travel permits to our employees? We're getting emails from the CEO talking about what to do. You know, can we have service open? How do we handle quarantine? How do we like? We're just, I'm I'm trying to learn a brand, and now we're thrown into this new world that right. nobody knows how to navigate yet. Well, we still have to sell cars. We're still on a commission structure.
0: Right. So no no sales, no pay. Well,
1: and that's that's the conversation we had. So in the beginning, everybody thought this was 14 days to flatten the curve, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so it was like, okay, we're not. If people want to take their vacation, let them take their vacation. If they're worried about it, let them go home but we don't at the moment feel compelled to pay people to sit at home. Right. Unless they have vacation to burn. And I think that was the right decision at the time. Um, and then it kept going and it kept going and it kept going. And then April was a terrible month. I think we sold single digit cars in April, maybe maybe 15. It was, it was awful. Right. And we all kind of sat down and went, we were watching the world burn and went, well, we still gotta figure out how to do this. Like we're still sitting here. And if I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna figure out how to be successful at it. And then we started to, kind of look at how do we reinvent the wheel? Like, how do we, what can we do? Because for those of you that don't know, Bryan College Station's economy is heavily driven by Texas A&M University.
0: Right, right.
1: Well, so we're a store that hasn't even been open a calendar year yet. We have no established service business. We have no established customer base. We you have no mean, repeat.
0: You don't even have an email
1: list. Yeah, we don't even have an email list. We, we have less than a thousand people in our CRM at this point. Um, what the hell do we do? Right. So, and for those that don't know, when they, so they, they announced the lockdowns during spring break for A&M. So they made the decision on the fly, not for the students, not to return to the school. There's about 70,000 undergrads, if memory serves. And there's yeah, about probably. 10 to 15,000 graduate students in Bryan College Station. So you have 85 to ninety thousand, eighty to 85,000 students. We probably had five to 10,000 support staff that disappeared. And we're somewhat used to that for um we're somewhat used to that for periods of the summer and winter Well,
0: yeah i mean it's cyclical
1: yeah and we're used to it like spring break the areas but, of ghost town there's
0: yeah but like you don't lose 85 90 000 inhabitants like
1: it was like the rapture i mean we were driving down the street <laughs> it really yeah was. we were yeah. driving in the street looking around going there's you're going to a stoplight and there's nobody at the other three sides of the stoplight going what in the fuck is going yeah, on this
0: is on three-lane roads
1: yeah so, i mean yeah. these are boulevards mm-hmm. uh as the council likes to say and uh, so we, we had to make a decision, how do we keep selling cars? They're gonna keep sending them to us, we thought. <laughs> oh, yeah, ran out. Um, you know, we had a pipeline of inventory still coming. So we kind of reinvented the website and our online presence and started figuring out how to sell online. How do we how do we uh, uh, contract digitally? How do we fund digitally? How do we, well, let's create shipping relationships? Uh, especially because there were areas of the country that specifically shut down car dealerships. Um, we found out later illegally like there was there was and then houston was trying to do some weird stuff where they said service can be open but they can only work on essential employees cars and sales can't be open unless it's to sell an essential employee a car and, and like we basically we got to the point where we all just said we're going to stay here until the judge shows up and tells us to leave
0: like it, it all started when they they started caring about people's feelings oh 100% They're putting idiots in
1: charge yeah 100% and it's <clears throat> so we got very, very good at selling online. Well, then this also bred a significant amount of fraud. So then we had to become investigators too. Um, the fraud, it's still at an all-time high, I think. And it's, but it was, you had several different yeah, types define, of credit define fraud.
0: define that. Well, well, I mean, what's, what's going on? Because I'm, I'm, I'm completely ignorant of it. Like, but the big shift I noticed through, uh, through real estate was, again, like digital signings, digital yeah. documents. It, it went from, those are a little bit, uh, to, oh yeah, send that to me. They yeah, no, it, super it's super commonplace. One
1: is, from a consumer side, people became significantly more uh, okay with digital transactions. Yeah,
0: dude, if a, if a car dealer sent me a digital stack right now, I'd sign up and pick up my
1: car. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, low, but but the loan industry, and, and and this is the way it happens, right? Legislation only comes through need. Mm-hmm. And so, there was a lot of legislation hadn't caught up to digital. Nobody really wanted to spend the money on it. Uh, at the end of the day, dealers feel that we need people in the stores to make sales. And um, so the fraud, it started out as your good old-fashioned garden variety identity theft where people would realize that if you don't have to come into the store and if you can take delivery of the car wearing a mask to where I can't actually verify who you are and I can't verify that you're the person that took delivery of the vehicle, then I can either use somebody else's identity that even vaguely resembles mine or I can take delivery of the vehicle and claim I never got it.
0: Uh, It it blows my mind because, like, in the time it takes to think up and perfect that scam, you can actually go and get a real job and make proper money. Well, and then we had had another
1: form of fraud came around called synthetic identity fraud. And this was scary because it was super hard to catch. Synthetic identity fraud, they were taking a good social security number Uh and maybe a good name, and the rest of the information was bogus. And they were opening accounts that were easy to get by using the social in the name or they would use a real social and a false name and they would spend 6 to 12 months creating this profile mm-hmm. to where it would pass OFAC it would pass SDN it would pass all the checks through Equifax and Experian and then they would open 2 or 3 accounts in rapid succession and then ghost mm-hmm. and then when they went to look it up it was a post office box in Des Moines um, and the cars are in the wind Right, uh, and it, it worked on it then they had another form of identity theft that was called credit bust out And Credit Bust Out was where people would apply for and buy 8 to 10 to 12 vehicles in a weekend.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, Uh, because if if you started on a Friday afternoon, the contracts wouldn't hit the bank till Monday.
1: Correct. And you could do
0: Friday and Saturday. And the
1: banks weren't exceptionally good at talking to each other because of privacy laws and Dodd-Frank and everything else. And so...
0: Damn, you'd have to hustle. You you could grab 10 or 12. That's pretty smart.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So they would grab 10 or 12 cars. They would then sell the cars or they would sell use of the cars on Turo or on oh, right. uh, one of the one of the rental apps, or they would pay people to run Uber in them, then they would go declare bankruptcy. Well, the bankruptcy courts were so backed up, it just froze all the assets. And so you would have... Unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy, man. And so you got to the point where the, the banks wanted you to take a photo of the customer at the time of delivery, not wearing a mask, holding the contract, standing in front of the car. Wow. It's like a hold up a newspaper, proof of life thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, you know, it, it was the out of state stuff was even harder because you were dealing with interstate fraud. And, and knock on wood, thank God we haven't been defrauded to this point. But you end up spending more time figuring out why not to do a deal than why to do a deal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, so fast forward. So we're doing this from April-ish of twenty. April and May of 21 come around. We've, we've kind of uh, established this quote, air quotes, new normal of how we're doing business. And we're, we're making it work. The store is still losing money some months, making money some months, it's, but it's, it's fledgling. Well, we're part of a larger group of, of stores. We're not worried about going out of business, but we are there to make money. It's, right. There's a pride piece involved in it. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, uh, at that point, the gentleman who I was working for, the GM at the store that was brought in to open it, made a decision that this wasn't what he wanted to do and so he stepped down in early june of twenty twenty one, uh and i didn't know what they were going to do uh he, you know he told me he was going to make a recommendation that i would take over the store uh and i'm thinking in my head i was like oh great i get to i get the whole enchilada of a money store losing money and not yeah. just a not just a part of it and, and you know, in the back of my head i'm screaming going i don't know what the hell i'm gonna do i don't know how i'm gonna make this any better i feel like he's I feel like the ca- captain just made the first officer the, the captain and then stepped on a lifeboat you know uh, nice. uh, you know yeah. some futurama ter- he put kiff in charge and went uh, kiff you're the captain now and stepped <laughs> off onto the lifeboat
0: left with leela yeah left with leela
1: and uh, uh it's so then they came and sat down with me and that was in mid-june of 21 and said hey, we want to make you the gm store and I, I wasn't going to say no, but, right. you know, I really didn't know a whole lot about service except from the technician side. I didn't know how to manage it. Uh, I didn't necessarily know what direction I wanted to take the store in. And one of the things I told myself when I took over the store in 20, when I took over the sales department in 20, was don't fire anybody. Right. Because my previous couple of jobs had been either damage control or slaughterhouse, where I had been put in there to either fix a store that was broken or I had been put in there to hold something together that was selling. And so I needed to prove to myself that I actually knew what I was doing. So I didn't want to fire anybody. I didn't want to make any personnel changes. I wanted to show that the that the improvement was purely my influence.
0: That makes sense, yeah.
1: Uh, not, And that wasn't to prove it to somebody else. That was to prove it to myself because I, I suffer very badly from imposter syndrome. And you, you've you known me for yeah. 14 years now. I'm constantly looking around going, what the hell am I doing in this room? Right? And it's, it's something everybody... With any success, struggles with, and if you they don't,
0: they made it on the podcast. They, they yeah, done. Well, yeah. Done. If if they
1: don't, you know, they're they're a bit of a narcissist. But
0: I think we all do. Yeah, right? because if
1: you don't, it's a different conversation, right?
0: Yeah, because like you you see yourself how you see you, right? And we all see you as we perceive you. Yeah, and that's the the fucking difference, man. It, it, it can be uh, you don't know what the people around you think until they I actually do. tell it's
1: you. It's true. <laughs> Well, so July of 21, July 1st of 21, I took over as the, the general manager of the store. And I don't know whether this was fortuitous timing or if it was truly my influence, but the store didn't lose money again after that point. Um, it, was we, just, it was all luck. Man. Yeah. It was I, I, good luck, I, all. When people ask me, like, what would you do different? I'm like, I was just, it was good timing. Like I, <laughs> I Now, I credit some of that to the guy I worked for at Ford, which was, he sat me down a couple of times and said, listen, if you are if you want to take success, if you want to take credit for the success, you need to be the one putting the credit on other people and taking the failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that sucked because I wanted to be seen as the one that was successful and I wanted to shirk off that failure on other people. And, and I think that's a natural human response.
0: That was a good lesson. That was yeah, a good lesson it was a probably. very good lesson. Yeah, I, re- I remember talking with you about
1: that. Like, yeah. and it sucked because when, when we had a great month, I had to say, I had to pull everybody in and say, y'all did a great job. And when something came unraveled, I had to put it on my shoulders and say, no, we're gonna take care of this. Uh, and I realized that, that was that was a sign of leadership, but it was it was tough because you know it's it is lonely at the top. And and you don't want to I had this conversation with my one of my employees the other day who invited me to a ring dunk. And uh, for people that don't know AM tradition, it's it's an excuse for 21-year-olds to get hammered drunk and vomit in their lawn while their parents look on proudly. Uh, it, it
0: really, that was a really good way to sum that up. That, yeah. That is actually what a ring dunk is. How, how big is the picture?
1: 64 like, ounces. It's so a gallon. Okay. So, so the, the idea is, is that, you know, Aggies value their rings among all else and I'm not an Aggie. I'm just, I'm just a, an imposter. I went to U of H for a semester and almost failed. Uh, I have a, a whopping three credit hours of college under my belt and uh, well done, mate. yeah, yeah, killing it. and. Um, uh, but the, the Aggies, they, they they praise tradition among above all else, and they get their rings and they're these big gold bastard rings, and they drop them in a pitcher of lukewarm beer and they chug the pitcher and catch the ring in their teeth. Yes. Uh, or as I've talked to a couple of ER nurses, a lot of them will pass them through naturally. Um, the uh, Can you
0: see it yet? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, but if you've never had the, the remarkable displeasure of trying to chug sixty-four ounces of beer,
0: I how many how many
1: tins is that? what eight ounces in a ten so it's eight no, ten twelve, 12, 12 ounces in a ten 12. so five four five that's a lot to be chugging four is 48 Five sixty. 60 so yeah five and a bit
0: that's a lot to be chugging at. that's a gallon of beer it's a gallon of beer
1: No, it's not a half gallon half, 100, 100, ounce yeah six half ounces. Gallon. so but it's a pitcher nonetheless and one of the things when i was a bouncer we always knew when ring week was because the state of texas says you can't serve a pitcher to one person uh you can't you have to have two two ids present so we used to be in there looking like we were defending the goal at the nba finals knocking pictures out of people's hands when they were trying to surround each other to because they always wanted to do their ring dunk at the dixie chicken which was well, like yeah. but we couldn't let it happen because tabc would fine us for it right, right so you ended up like barging through crowds and knocking pictures out of people's hands
0: that doesn't sound very
1: fair it doesn't sound fair but we didn't want to get shut down for the night
0: yeah definitely.
1: so it was um, uh, it was a tumultuous week whenever that happened but so you know fast forward and i took over this store and, and so i had this conversation with with this employee and she invited me to a ring dunk and she seemed almost upset that i wouldn't come and i explained to her i said look one one have you h- ever seen me hang out with anybody from work outside of work except in a work oriented function she said no I said okay i said do you act differently at work than you do at home she says well i said no honestly i'm not asking to get you in trouble but people represent themselves differently at work than they do at home if they don't then i i'm sorry like yeah. You, you put on a different face.
0: Absolutely. I said so... I get to stop talking in this ridiculous accent, won't I? Right?
1: Yeah, it, he's actually from Lufkin. <laughs> uh, so, the... I said, so, it's unfair of me to go to this event where you either A, feel like you need to act differently when you're around me, or B, you don't act the way you do at work and you inadvertently change my perception of you, which I want to tell you it won't, but I can't promise that. That's an unfair thing for me to promise. Right. I said, so it's nothing personal. I said, but I, you're not the first employee that's asked me to come to a ring dunk. And I've had to say no. I'd love to go. I, I'm, I'm happy for you. Congratulations. One of the one of the things of running a business in a college town is constantly retraining and constantly losing employees. I know.
0: It's such a, we, had, we had three graduate this semester.
1: Yeah, it's terrible. You, you try to stagger them based on your graduation year. And,
0: it's, it's, shit just happens, man. One of the good things about the town, too, though. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. was a, there was a relatively stable labor pool. Yeah, you just have to
1: train it. It used to be cheap too. It's not anymore. It's not anymore. Shit. Uh, but the so I took over the store in July of 21, and we had uh we had our, our absolute record month in December of 21, uh, and we we also had a hailstorm. I might add in April of 21. So we were still recovering from the hailstorm.
0: Right. right.
1: Uh, we were still getting rid of hail inventory. So we had a record month in December of 21. And our service department broke a thousand labor hours for the first time, which was a big milestone we were trying to get to, where we sold a thousand labor hours inside a month uh, or completed the sale of a thousand labor hours inside a month. Well, January, February comes around, March and then March comes around and they do it again. Uh, April comes around, they do it again. And we have, we broke a million dollars in net profit for 2021, uh, which was awesome. Uh, and we did nine hundred thousand of that from July first to the end of the year. Wow! Uh, now I might add that some of that was affected by the fact that we had the winter storm in February of twenty one. Yeah, we lost almost two hundred thousand dollars that month because we were closed for two two weeks. Yeah,
0: that, that was a bad one.
1: Yeah. yeah, that was that was rough. Um,
0: we had a lot of fun playing in the
1: snow. Then. We did. Uh, everybody thought a raptor was a dumb decision until they called me to pull out of snow. Yeah. Yeah, who's laughing now?
0: That's why the snow button was yeah. right there. Yeah,
1: I had a snow button I got to knock the, knock the dust off of in Texas. Yeah. So, and then in April, uh, April of 20, you know, May of 21, um, our CFO and COO came and met with me and offered me the opportunity to buy a percentage of the store. Right. Which in my industry is, it's, it's not Valhalla, but it's close. Like, that's yeah. what you're trying to do. Yeah. It's somewhat affectionately referred to as the golden handcuffs. I mean, yeah. Uh, because you get the ability to buy in and own 10% of the store. Um, you you increase your income. Uh, you also increase your risk. Right. Uh, but you increase your income and it also makes you a lot more comfortable because in our industry, it is one known for, hey, we've had a couple of bad months, let's sack the guy in charge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty, it was pretty common. It's less common now, but and it's it's more common in some, more, some other groups where they'll move you around a lot. Um, or they'll they'll sack the guy in charge if they're having a bad couple of months, whether it's his fault or not. You're the one that makes the most money. You're the sacrificial lamb. Right.
0: right.
1: So, and I had a goal. Uh, they had they had one more hurdle I had to clear, which was I had to put up a, a specific amount of net profit. And once I cleared that that total, from that point forward, then I got to buy in. And um, we my goal was to hit it between June and July. Uh, excuse me, May and June. So they met with me in April. My goal is to hit it between. Met with me in May. My goal was to hit it between May and June because we have a partner meeting coming up this month in July and I wanted to sign my partnership the partner meeting. I missed by $36,000. Oh, man. Yeah. I had guessed you'd miss it by like three grand. No, I missed by $36,000.
0: No, wait. I guess you'd make it by
1: three grand. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have made it except I had uh, shipping delays and I had uh, two deals fall apart the last day of the month that were worth almost $20,000. And so it was... There's no excuses though. I should have I should have been much more clear of it than missing it. Like I to say, oh I missed one deal and that's why I missed it. That's not fair. I I missed ten deals. I should have been at where one deal didn't hurt me. Right, right. Uh, so I'll do it I'll clear it this month by you know a large margin. But um So
0: thirty-four years old. Yeah. Partner in Mercedes Yeah. Well done.
1: Not yet, I didn't sign the paperwork.
0: Political campaign.
1: Yeah. So last year.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about politics.
1: Last year in you had a run at that, didn't you? Yeah.
0: What was uh, that? What was that
1: like? I bumped my head. It was all a bad dream.
0: I still have money. I still have money on a book that says you are going to be the first College Station councilman to address a colleague with "listen, motherfucker."
1: Probably. Um, It's a sound bet then. Yeah, it's a it's a sound bet. (laughs) Tell tell me
0: about tell me about the political.
1: So in summer of twenty one. Um, I have several friends that I had made that were actively involved in local politics. And, uh, you know, Brian and College Station, while we refer to it as one city, is two.
0: That really... I, I just... I can't believe it's still two fucking cities. Yeah, I can't either, but we're not going to get into that. If, if you put your hand up and say, hey, guys, why don't, why don't we like combine governments? Oh, God, you get your head mode off, wouldn't you?
1: Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> the... Um, I'd love this. I think I said it out loud during the campaign. But the... Um, so we got two
0: entire city governments two entire city governments we two have two entire two, two fire
1: departments two police forces we have um uh two electric companies we have three or four water companies yeah. like it, it's a massive amount of waste uh but we'll get to that so mid-summer of 2021 i was sitting around talking to some buddies that were involved in the political scene and they were what they were talking about was making me mad so to give a quick history lesson College Station for the longest time had elections in May of odd years, so for those of our international listeners, uh, uh, Sam's parents, uh, we uh, uh, <laughs> we have we have a lot. The federal the federal cycle is every four years really it's every two years but it's on even numbered years and it's in november that's when your your general election is
0: which which is the the election that most people will
1: yes yes and and typically your election returns are directly proportional to what race you're in if you're in a presidential year you're going to have your highest returns especially if it's a non-incumbent year um or if you're in a um midterm year like we're coming up into now where there's a highly contested midterm you'll have big turnouts well, the city of College Station in their charter had set their elections for May of odd years. Really, it was it was in an. They said it was in an attempt to save money, but what it was was it was in it. It was in an attempt to hide the elections. Yes,
0: yeah, that to actively discourage voting. Yeah,
1: because you're you're holding it after the students leave, so the students don't vote. You're holding it in May, which is you know the opposite end of the year, uh, and you're holding it uh, in an off year when nobody's thinking about elections. So your local news sources aren't gonna cover it very well because they've spent all their money covering the, uh, the sounds, federal cycle. It
0: sounds like a really good way to have elections have the results that you can Correct, answer.
1: correct. Yeah. It's a really good way for, there's a large proponent of the local population in Bryan College Station that wants the economic prosperity that the university brings, but is unwilling to deal with the university. They wanna act like they don't exist. They want them to have no voice. Uh, and they want to uh, uh, have them stay on their side of the tracks, and we stay on ours. Uh, I think that's a fan, uh, it's a fairy tale that nobody really wants or should be a part of. Do you know, I heard
0: I heard in a British real estate magazine people calling them nimby's. Nimby's not in my, not in my backyard. That's a
1: that's a phrase that's common in oil and gas too. Is it? Is yeah, it, my brothers used that phrase before. Because they don't want it. Yeah. They, they
0: want it. They want the economic. We want
1: advantage. oil and gas production and exploration, but we don't want to be able to see or smell the wells. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we want nuclear power, but we don't want to see the stacks. You know, we want um, uh, we want X or Y, but we want to, don't want to see. Oh it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, several years ago, they put a ballot they put a ballot initiative forward, and they changed the elections from May to November. But they're still in odd years, so, so they're still they don't in don't off sync years. Up with the, Correct. The uh, They would, but they were three year terms, so they would sync up with the nationals like every twelve years. Right. right. It's like a leap year, but on steroids. They would sync up with the nationals like every 12 years. Um, And the local council was on three-year terms and they had no term limit for council. They only had a term limit per seat. So they would just jump between seats. So you would have council members that have been on council for nine, 10, 12 years, jumping between seats every three years. Oh, wow. So um, it's ridiculous. And a lot of them were people that were formerly associated with the university and had this utopian model for what they wanted the city to look like, behave like, act like and they again they wanted the economic prosperity of the students but they didn't want them in their backyard hmm. uh they didn't want student housing they didn't they wanted it all to be like go and put them in dorms like they wanted to create like a student apartheid and go put them in dorms on campus uh but don't have them in my neighborhood right right. we want to have you know all this great all this money that makes us recession resistant in this area but we don't want to see where it's coming from you want to eat the meat but you don't want to see how the cows slaughtered Dude, it would be so easy to win an
0: election against these people
1: right Jeez. So what got me involved was in 2018, they put a ballot in. I think it was 2018. And my date's maybe a little off. I didn't study for this at all. I got a text from Sam this morning. said, hey, you want to be on a podcast tonight? And I <laughs> said, sure, why not? I didn't even know what it was about until so I walked in. All right. Uh, it's not quite. got a text from me <laughs> confirming
0: he was on a podcast tonight. And, um, yeah,
1: damn it. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I, I even showed up. I showed up wearing pants. Well, I didn't look, know if there was a camera involved. You know, no,
0: I want you to do the weekly yeah. news program with me. And so in order to do that, you need your own interview. So yeah. everybody that does the weekly news program can scroll back to the interview and go, oh, this is who this David Cunt is. Exactly. See, like that. That's it. That's why, that's why we're doing it. That's, uh, well, that's awesome. so in
1: 2018, there was a ballot initiative put forward to move the cycle from three-year odd number cycles to four-year even number cycles so to line it up with the uh federal cycle
0: right i mean that makes the most sense for turnout sure
1: it passed at i think a 78 or 80 percent win rate i mean it was it was a landslide right Uh, so what made me mad was that i found out that there was a ballot initiative been put forward by and to put a ballot initiative forward the only thing that has to happen is the, a member of the city council has to bring it up. It has to be discussed, and then they can put it on the ballot. Okay. And they put it on the ballot to move the elections back to odd years. They just, It just won three years ago at 80%. And they said, you know what? We don't think the results were accurate. We're going to go ahead and put it up for vote again. And that made me mad. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I, put, I committed about $10,000 to fight that. Um, I was talking to a couple of people that were running a pack that were fighting against it and I committed. I said, look, I'll, I'll donate $10,000 to do this. Like, I'll, I'll make a little contribution. I want, I want to see this stop. And one of them said, well, if you're going to do that, you might as well run for an office. Right. And I must have bumped my head or done something that week because I agreed to it.
0: I think you said, what could possibly go wrong?
1: Yeah. And I don't remember what the final tally I spent was, but it was... We spent almost $50,000 on the campaign, all told, and I think... I think I spent twenty-five or thirty of that. I, I just don't like looking, um, and I ended up losing. But the 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 long-term discussion is so I went against an incumbent who had been in uh, council for I think thirteen years at this point. Um,
0: he reminded me a lot of the guy on uh, on Hannibal, where Hannibal Lecter scooped his brain out, fed it to him, and, and he kept on living.
1: Ah, yeah, that uh, okay. Uh, so. The, um,
0: I mean, that, but I don't,
1: and listen, I don't dislike the guy. I don't, I don't be, either. I, don't I listened to the him.
0: fucking debates. And it I, was the, bad. The best I could do was that somebody had eaten his brain with a spoon.
1: He just had the same talking points over, over and over and again. Over and over.
0: Well, yeah.
1: what frustrated me about the experience. So, so I, I declared in June, uh, when the ballot opened and then a third candidate now to, to give a quick preface on the way that the, the election cycle works, for a council spot, it's not about who wins the largest percentage of the vote. You have to win fifty percent plus one vote. Mm. So if you have three candidates, mm. the statistical likelihood of a runoff goes up exponentially. Right, right. Um, sure. With two candidates, you can't unless you have a write-in for you have know, you have you know five thousand yeah. write-ins for Daffy Duck, um, and then you would have to theoretically have a runoff with the same two people. Right, right. But um, so they a third candidate declared the last day in the last hour of uh, eligibility, uh, which pretty much guaranteed we were going to get a runoff.
0: She didn't really think that through, did she, bless her.
1: No, and I I do believe that somebody put her up to it with the intention of diluting the vote. Um I think she mean she meant well and no, wanted No, I
0: you know, I I would I would go so far as to say that that she actually meant it. She really did mean well. It wasn't
1: Yeah, she 100% it. meant well. I have nothing against her. Um you know, I was a bit mean to her a couple of times. She said, you know, we, we left a um uh, we left a candidate forum, and that's because
0: you have a you have a habit of, of if somebody tosses a ball up in the air, nice and slow, and a big loop, you just smack it right out of the park. Yeah, and she did give you a couple of very very easy pitches to just grab a hold of and smack. So I mean, I, I
1: don't think anybody really well, blames you. what frustrated me about the experience? So we we had a in a typical cycle, the there'll be two to three candidate forums. They don't have debates, but they have candidate forums where the candidates sit up at the on the on the. Pulpit, so to speak, and they um, uh, they'll ask a question of all three candidates, and they allow the candidates a certain number of minutes to respond. Right. You're not directly addressing any candidate. Uh, you're not debating each other. It's just you're not,
0: answer to a question, right? Yeah, you
1: just they, they they want people, they want the public to be able to have um, three answers to the same question to decide who the how they want to vote.
0: Who's got the best answer? Correct. Right on.
1: How do I align with these people? Yeah. Typically, there's two to three of those, and there are you'll typically have an interview with both print newspapers and you'll have an interview with one or two of the television stations. Right. We had one forum that I got to go to run by the local city council, So excuse me, local chamber of commerce. And I had one interview with the Eagle, the local newspaper, and I was invited to a second forum like three days before it happened. I had a prior engagement and they never responded to my request for, Either Zoom or I was like I was out of town for a national dealer meeting. Right. They gave me three or four days notice and then they wouldn't respond to me and then had the audacity when they saw me after the election to say, "Oh, we're sorry we missed you." You <laughs> had the opportunity for me to be there. Don't be a cunt. Like, so this first forum, the only forum we went to at the end of the forum, she came up to me and said, "You know, I, I wish I would have met you before. I would love to support your campaign. You know, I wish I wouldn't have run against you. Like, you, know, I, you we align on a lot of topics." I was like, "That's great." She goes, "What can I do to help?" I said, "You can write me a check for ten thousand dollars." Is because that's what your involvements cost me mm-hmm. uh, which was mean um but it's it was it was a, a, a response to the question right i mean realistically you know she showed up in a track suit which was a really strange decision to a formal a somewhat formal event where you're trying to get people to believe in you and vote for you it's like an alle G setup like i didn't understand it <laughs> uh and the answers didn't make a lot of sense and so alle G what? Ali G did win. So maybe it was a good plan. It just, yeah. it wasn't executed well. Yeah. So, because it wasn't friggity friggity fresh. Um, so. <laughs> I, I has injured me man. I, two <laughs> oh man. How was it? Not bad, really. Oh, God <laughs> damn it. So the, uh, the yeah, gratuity. Quite nice, actually. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, we, we made enough Ali G references for the night. That's enough. Yeah. So we get to the day of the election and, uh, I think 40, I don't remember the exact numbers. It was 40, 44% for my opponent, 38, 39% for me, and the remainder for this third person. So we were forced into a runoff, which we knew was going to happen. Right. She, the ballot draw is random, but she drew above me. So female name, second on the ballot, you're going to get votes just yeah. organically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was like a 40-page ballot. And by the time you got to the non-partisan local elections you were just ready to be out of the voting booth
0: right and most guys are going well i don't know him i don't know him but she's got tits so check i
1: don't quite know if that's the way the decision happened but
0: uh, come on man like i'm a guy
1: yeah like, fair enough and that's where i lost my one vote to you like, damn i knew it
0: i'm not, i still can't vote like, yeah. that is that is why i am anxious to get all my citizenship finished so i can i can actually have an active part in politics So they'll be like, "Uh, so Mr. Smith, did you say uh, this on a podcast? I'm like, yes, yes, I did. I did, and I'll say it again. (laughs) What was the intent? (laughs) Oh, no, it was there. Yeah,
1: no, no, it's exactly the way it sounds. Yeah. So, (laughs) but we went to a runoff, and uh, runoffs are extraordinarily difficult. So the runoff was held in December. I think it was December 15th. I I may be off a couple of days on the date, but runoffs are extremely difficult locally because school is out. The students are gone. So any student vote you were going to get is gone. Um, a lot of the local professors and uh, support staff have left for the Christmas holiday. Yeah. You know, the, the the closest we get to a zombie apocalypse in College Station is the week between Christmas and New Year's.
0: Oh, it's wonderful. It's it, there's
1: wonderful. nobody here. It's great. Yeah, no, you know, it's amazing for a week at a time. Yeah. Um, so we we doubled down, we did a lot of mail. Uh, it was the only time I had any TV time was after the, the result came in. Uh, And then it was quiet again until the day of the the day before the runoff. And and I spent a large portion of my campaign campaigning against the proposition for the, the election date and campaign and telling people, I don't care who you vote for. Just show up and vote. It was very much a turnout message because truly all I wanted to see was record turnout. Right. Like I kind of wanted to win, but the job sounded like a bit of a ball ache, and it was a volunteer position that didn't pay anything. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I don't
1: necessarily think I wanted to win, but I wanted, uh, I wanted to see the the proposition get turned down, which it got destroyed, and I wanted to see record turnout, which we saw. So that was my goal, and that's what happened. And, and I'm, I'm realistically, when I committed to run, I had not yet been asked to be the GM of the store. Right. So then in the middle of me prepping for this run, taking an immense amount of time for a volunteer position, they're saying, hey, we also need you to double your workload. So I'm kind of secretly glad I didn't win, but there's a lot of pressure for me to run again this year um, because we're up for another cycle this year. Because as you might know, for those of you who do math, last year was an odd year. It was the last odd year election we were scheduled to ever have. I can't do math. Yeah. it was, uh,
0: I, I just know when an election cycle is by how busy it gets at the cigar lounge. Yes. <laughs>
1: so, but yeah, that was, that was my foray into politics. It was, it was interesting. It was uh, a bit enjoyable, but in a strange sick sort of way, Right. Um, it was great to get out there and really see what, how people felt. Uh, it was great to see. Um, and I told people, give me your opinion, whether you agree with me or disagree with me, that's okay. I think we've lost the ability to hear a dissenting opinion. Yeah. And and I hold my convictions quite strongly, but I am willing to change my convictions if presented with sufficient new evidence. That's
0: why I like you. Right. Like, you know, we, we both, we think very strongly about shit, but I will, again, happily change my point of view. But so many
1: evidence. people I ran into would stick their fingers in their ears and say, la, 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 I can't hear you yeah. because you were saying something they didn't like. You know, one of the big pushes in College Station was uh, the R O O, which is a residential occupancy overlay. Now that's for uh, um, student housing.
0: That's the one. That's what was. So So that's the number of tenants.
1: Yes. So the number of of unrelated tenants. Unrelated tenants. tenants. So it was an ordinance. So they couldn't.
0: What they do is they. They chop up houses basically. They're, they're, yeah. So they
1: call them ag shacks. Yeah. So what what was was happening locally is they're going into these older neighborhoods on larger lots and they're buying these hundred year old homes or eighty year old homes. They're those. tearing them down and they're building eight bedroom, eight bathroom, two story houses that are have two common living areas and they're on eight individual leases. Yep. So and then they they pave over I mean, the backyard and turn it into parking.
0: For 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 complete and utter transparency and fairness that is probably the highest and best use of that 100 yeah. but it but it completely let's fucks up neighborhoods well
1: let's talk about that because one of the things when i had these people come to me and they would they would voice their concerns and say they're destroying my historic neighborhood the first thing i would ask them is how long have you owned the home and several of them would say less than 10 years okay so this problem predates you you bought a home in a neighborhood that does not have a homeowner's association and does not have deed restrictions in which they were already performing these actions. And now you would like me to legislate out the actions that were happening before you bought the home. Mm -hmm. So we need to talk about your agent not doing their fiduciary duty and informing you of what was going on in the home, in the neighborhood. Or we need to talk about you trying to change other people's use of their property post-mortem.
0: Like some agents do, you can drive through the fucking neighborhood and see but, the houses being built.
1: I but mean. still, like, did you buy the? And I asked him, did you buy the home sight unseen? No, we drove to the neighborhood. We loved the neighborhood. Great. So you saw so the you homes saw going, up. Shit going up. Yeah. Do I agree that it requires additional infrastructure because you now have eight toilets instead of two, you now have eight sinks instead of two, mm-hmm. you have you have all these things that we have to deal with with wastewater, with fresh water, with drainage, right. trash pickup, uh, accessibility for fire fire and police. Uh, all these are issues that need to right. be addressed and need to be paid for. But it's not my responsibility as an elected official to retroactively change the eligible uses of a property. Right, right. Um, changing zoning is one thing. But what the, the intent of the ROO was to say, so in Texas, and correct me, I, while I may be a licensed real estate sales agent, I am not actually practicing. Uh, you cannot, and I, I got to finish my renewal. Uh, you cannot form a homeowners association after the the first home is sold without vote of like 50% of the homeowners.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very tricky.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's like a quorum. It's like 66% of the homeowners have to vote on it uh, in order to retroactively instill a homeowners association or deed restrictions. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost impossible. Yes. Uh, especially in a neighborhood that's already undergoing a major change. So what ROO did is it allowed for a sort of city-run HOA, Right. Where fifty percent of the homeowners could get together and they could vote to instill a re- an occupancy overlay that would retroactively change the use of those homes, whether they've been built recently or hundred years ago, to prevent a certain number of unrelated uh, roommates or tenants, right. Right. which is an unprovable standard because you're not going to force people to take DNA tests to say whether they're related or not.
0: Yeah. True. So it's an
1: it's 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 unenforceable, but it was enough to scare off potential investment buyers. Right,
0: right.
1: So I, I felt very very strongly against ROO because the first question I would ask people is, okay, so you have to house 100,000 students. My rudimentary, rudimentary understanding of the way that uh, a charter is written says that they cannot spend land grant money on building housing facilities. There's something weird about the way that they have to, Like that's why all the dorms have been either built through donation or through public-private partnerships. Right they can't spend university money to build dorms,
0: hmm.
1: which is why so much of a and is off campus. There's very few dorms at a for yeah. the amount of students.
0: Yeah, that's true, that's very
1: true. So I'd ask people, you have a decision. We can either build a housing complex for them in South College Station and have them go up an eight-lane Texas Avenue, which is the main avenue through town, an eight-lane Texas Avenue to school in the morning, and then we can build some additional parking garages for them to park in. Or we can repurpose the area surrounding the university for medium-density residential and multi-use Uh, And let them stay within a mile of the university.
0: (laughs) That's what I'd pick.
1: But they don't like that. They want them to be south of town and somehow magically transport there without tubes. Yeah, right.
0: Traveling tubes. But
1: then they don't want to have a functioning public transit system. I so there's a there's a there's an old saying.
0: They put that on Brazos County,
1: which is bullshit because Brazos County does have a transit system. you know Brazos Transit District is one of the largest in Texas. It It goes all the way to what uh, Marshall.
0: I know it goes, to, uh, it goes to Lufkin, I know. It goes to Lufkin. It goes to Temple. It goes to,
1: uh, yeah. It's massive. It's a massive public transit system. And the ridership is terrible. I
0: know it goes to Nagadotis. Yeah,
1: the ridership's terrible. Well,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. You know? so And then the university has their own bus system. They do. And I can tell you as a broke, non-college student in, at 18, 19 years old, I rode the shit out of that. <laughs> I carried a backpack with a pillow in it. So it looked like I was supposed to be there.
0: Yeah.
1: Because it was a free way to get on. Nobody checked. It was student drivers. Yeah. They check now. You've got to like scan your ID to get on. Oh, no shit. I haven't tried recently, but that's what I've heard. Yeah,
0: um, it always reminds me of the, the Jay on Silent Bob movie. Like, what, what do you mean we got to pay for the bus? We, we run that shit to school every day for free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that was, that was my whole foray into politics. I spent more time lambasting the local media for not paying attention to it and not giving a shit. Um, I, very recently, actually yesterday, I made some waves on Facebook when uh, somebody put up a photo of the new water restrictions or requested water restrictions in College Station. So College Station has its own water district.
0: Right.
1: I live in College Station, but I have Bryan Utilities. I live in South College Station. Bryan's north of College Station. I live in South College Station. I have Bryan Bryan Power. I have College Station Trash and Sewer. I have Wellburn Water. I have Atmos Gas. and I have some third-party internet company.
0: Damn.
1: Because the maps are so fucked up.
0: Yeah.
1: But... The city of College Station put out a water conservation request because if you don't know, it was one hundred eleven fucking degrees in College Station it is today. Hot as balls. It is hotter than Satan's nutsack outside.
0: Even Derek's Lewis's balls.
1: Derek are Derek Lewis's balls <laughs> continue to be hot. Shout out to Derek the Black Beast.
0: Uh,
1: I hope he listens. Uh, that would make my whole night. Um, yeah,
0: I have to tag him in the
1: post. Yeah, tag him in the post. You got to mention. So the best Instagram in the game, by the way. Yes. So, the uh, but they put out this requested water restriction where they wanted people to not water their lawns during the day. If your address started with an odd number, you watered on these days. Even never watered on other days. Uh, it cut back any like extra water usage uh, because we are in a we're in a severe drought situation. It oh, hasn't yeah. rained here. I can't remember when the last time it rained. It's
0: been fucking. Forever. It's been a minute. Yeah, like I I have to water my yard. Like it's a balance point between. Do I not water it and conserve water, or do I water it and let it live? Yeah, it's fucked.
1: Yeah, it's gonna die. So, well, that brings me to my next point. So that brings me to my next point. It was was Mary Beth actually posted it. Oh, right And I made a comment and I said, you know, I'm just saying, the brand new sod they just installed at City Hall is leaking water onto the road. They're putting so much on in the middle of the day. Yeah. So what they're saying is good enough for 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 me, but not for thee. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and some, you know, there were some people coming to the defense of the city saying, well, you have to water new sod or it dies. Well, that's great, but before they installed the sod, they knew the current conditions and they knew they were coming up on water restrictions. So maybe it would have been less expensive to delay the installation of the sod and just have some dirt for a minute versus using tens of thousands of gallons of water that you're trying to get everybody else to let their grass die to make sure the new city hall has green grass. I don't know, man. But <laughs> it continues to my point of. The local council not giving a shit about what's going on in the local community.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we can fix that. Fuck them. <laughs> Is that on the record or off the record? I don't give a shit. I'm not elected.
1: <laughs> I lost.
0: Is it true that you said fuck em, on a podcast? Yes. All right, so before we get out of here, um, shit, I'm not even going to ask you the regular questions. You Come are, on, bring it. Well, you know, like, um, what's like if you could, the fucking the small business surgeon is is aimed at people that are a little ways behind us in business. Okay. And I know I've got some listeners. That I'm just making
1: it up so. as I go, so I'm probably with them.
0: <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you one final question.
1: All right. Do I get a lifeline? No shit. Uh,
0: You've you, you only got one friend, and I'm here, so you can't Fuck. call a friend either. <laughs> so you know the show's aimed at people a little ways behind. Yes. us In in business and maybe in life. What's one piece of advice you'd give to a guy that's uh slinging cars right now and maybe maybe five ten years behind where you are on the career path?
1: I'm going to flip this on its ear and I'm going to give everybody a piece of advice that Sam Smith gave me. <laughs> oh, shit. uh, I
0: did not know this was going ten years ago,
1: ten ish years ago. First thing he said was don't be a cunt, that didn't work. Uh, but it surprised
0: me actually because you. You, you have neither the, the the ability to provide warmth or comfort so. i know
1: right so hey i've lost like 80 pounds i can't provide significantly less warmth than i once did all right no but what one, one of the things you said with me and it still resonates is that if you want to be the guy that gets ahead and you don't have and i'm i'm, I'm
0: paraphrasing
1: i'm i'm inflating it to make it a sound a little more grandiose than it was at the time
0: so <laughs> i have no clue what i said to you
1: If you don't have a natural step up, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have a brother that's a brother-in-law, you don't have the ability, like a natural progression. If there's no nepotism affecting you, uh, be the guy that shows up on time, is there in the morning with the coffee made uh, and does what the fuck he says he's going to do. Damn straight. Because I can't tell you how much of my business I deal with, where the fuck is so-and-so? I can't tell you how much in my business I, I deal with, Somebody saying they're going to do something, not fucking doing it. That's
0: how I go ahead. Hey, have you seen so? No, he's not in. Can you do this? Uh, yeah, and then just straight to fucking well, Google.
1: And I've never, I've never, I've never known what it was about me that I did that was different that allowed me to uh, advance faster. It's the it's the it's the turtle on a post analogy. I spend a lot of my days sitting in my office, going, "How the fuck did I get here? When are they going to figure out I'm a fraud?" Like,
0: <laughs> well, I think we all do that. Yeah, yeah.
1: and it's it's tough because I, so and you know this about me, but what my my greatest fear in the world, and we don't have nearly enough time to dig into this, my greatest, my most crippling fear. It's not heights. It's not uh, uh, it's not war. It's not anything. It's unemployment. Mm. And that, and you know some of my backstory as to why that exists. Right. Right. But I am terrified beyond all reason. I have no reason to be at the moment. I, I'm not doing anything. I mean, they could walk in tomorrow and fire me, but I, I don't think they're going to. They're offering to let me buy into the place. Right, right. But I allowed that fear to manage the way that I responded. And so I would, um, I would do things asked of me whether they were reasonable or not. I would do things asked of me whether they were prudent or not or whether they benefited me or not. Some of that benefited me. But for the most part, it turned me into a doormat. And it was very difficult over the last couple of years to break that cycle because one of the things you risk is if you are succeeding because you're the doormat and all of a sudden you're not, you may not continue to succeed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I saw you struggle with that. I really did. I I felt like you were getting doormatted in in some previous areas.
1: I certainly was financially. Oh, yeah. I was working, you know, I was making more money than I ever made in my life, but I was looking around at those around me going, you're making three times as much, and I'm working twice as many hours. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was normal to get to work at 730 in the morning on Monday, leave at nine o'clock at night and do that six days a week. Yep. But I committed myself in my mid 20s. and I, I wanted to get to this earlier, but I, it was when I was we touched on it a little bit. But when I was working in the Toyota shop and I looked around and I saw. 25 technicians in there most of which were older than me some of them twice my age yep. doing the same thing i was doing yep. their bodies broken down alcohol dependent and not all of them are like this i just i these couple of guys this stick why, out in my mind that's why i
0: left law it was looking further ahead and seeing sure I, like. I could
1: see the top and i didn't like what it looked like Yep. and i decided at that point i was spending a lot of my time partying i was spending a lot of my time drinking i had relationships that weren't healthy and i I made the decision that I was going to take the next 10 years and I was gonna figure out how to be successful at all costs. And that was, I don't remember the exact date, I'm past 10 years now. Yeah. And I also set another goal for myself, I set a financial goal. And the financial goal was I wanted to make 10X, whatever my, 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 my gross, my AGI at the end of the year, I wanted my AGI to be 10X whatever my age was. I thought in my brain that's what I came up with as a good measure of yeah. success. And I was behind on that up until about eighteen months ago, and I'm well ahead on that now. Yeah,
0: nailed it now, didn't you? Yeah,
1: and it's it's, um, and it should just keep going up. And so, well, uh, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy ten years.
0: It's gonna be a crazier ten more years, mate. Yeah, it's time to wrap this up, Lavine. Man, I want to fucking thank you.
1: Absolutely, it's been too long.
0: And congratulations on all the fucking success. Of yeah, it, mate. Well, absolutely. Um, and yeah, we'll start recording the uh, we'll start recording the, the c yeah. shows, and uh, you'll get David's opinion on the news. So uh, bring a little bit of class around the place.
1: I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. <laughs> Sorry, I'm rewatching Westworld. Jesus Christ!
0: All right, you'll be good. We're gonna get out of here. Thank um, you, everybody. I will drop David's uh, socials. Please don't follow him. He's terribly introverted. But uh, I, I am. <laughs> thank him again for coming out uh that was david levine everyone you'll be good stay safe and uh, i will see you guys in a couple of days
1: This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business
0: Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas.
1: Check them out at TXFoundry.com or on social media at TXFoundry. Thanks for tuning in.